So, this last week, I tried checking out Perks of Being a Wallflower again. Oh, yeah, Haven't yeah. seen that since high school. Yeah. Holy crap. Is it good? <laughs> that movie is powerful. Have you seen up? it? I, I watched it. Uh, no. I think I haven't Have seen Have you read it. the book by chance, maybe? No. I definitely didn't read the book, unfortunately. So, the best part about the movie, the director is the writer of the book. Oh, fantastic. Boom. It's awesome. It's... Yes, I have minor issues with it, like I do with, you know, a lot of things. Sure. But it held up better to me as an adult looking back because the movie completely, completely understands being a high schooler. Mm. I don't know. The dude just, I think as a high schooler, being, watching a movie about high schoolers, you don't realize, like, how much, how much it, like, understands you. You know what I mean? You're just like, (laughs) yeah, I mean... There's that, there's that, there's that. That's just life. But now that I'm like older, like there was a line where Emma Watson's character says something like, or no, he, he says something about, um, one day I'm just gonna, you know, you just turn from 16 to 17 and you forget what it was like to be 16. And then one day I'm going to look back and miss being 16 or something like that. Yeah. And it was like the most, holy crap. Last time I watched this movie, I was going through that phase and didn't give a shit. And now I look back with like deep nostalgia at my high school years and that movie just really brings that out of me wow pretty cool that's that's i highly suggest diving into the book and then reading and then watching the movie they're satisfying to watch like concurrently you or you know experience yeah it's it's really cool because it's like you can tell that the author knows that people who have read the book are going to be watching this movie like you know like there's like a nickname for a certain character that's used a lot in the book but then it's only used once in the movie and it doesn't even matter. And it could make someone who's never read the book laugh to themselves like, huh, that's a funny nickname. But yeah. if you've read the book, it's you're like, like oh, my God. Meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That's the beginning of a couple young actors careers, isn't it? What's that main guy? What's his name? Logan Lerman. And, you know, I wasn't going to say it, but now that you've brought it up, that poor bastard, mm. he had he gave. A phenomenal performance in that movie because his character has a lot of trauma that sure. he's dealing with throughout the movie. And so easily, I think the actor could have gone a route of um, like really overplaying his. Uh, he, I don't know. He's like a very quiet, reserved, uh, doesn't, you know, he's a little awkward. And I think it could have easily gone a route of being just like too far. You know what I mean? Sure. I don't even know how to explain it, but oh, yeah. it easily could have been. And he just does it so subtly and so realistic. Like, it's so realistic. By the end, you totally believe the friends he's made, the relationships he's gotten. And you still also believe, like, this dude has a lot of trauma built up inside that he's not dealing with. Hmm. But then this poor bastard <laughs> gets signed up for the Percy Jackson movies, oh, which bombed. that's right. And, like, what else has he done? I'm sure he's done a lot of other stuff. But nothing I've heard of or yeah. nothing great or what. I mean, he could have been the next... Daniel Radcliffe, or, well, I guess <laughs> Not Daniel quite, Radcliffe but... is one of those that, you know, like, did something, and then that's and what he's known for. Daniel Radcliffe you know? is, like, I don't think anyone else in the history of, like, cinema or celebrity has experienced what that <laughs> dude has, you know what I mean? That's You're so right. Wild. Yeah. Um, uh, interestingly <laughs> enough, uh, we're totally on brand for this podcast today because you watched something that was years ago you're rewatching and i watched something that years ago uh again rewatching mine was even further and mine was actually like childhood atlantis 
Oh, I love Atlantis. What a good movie. Oh my god. The Dude. animation style is perfect and it's oh, right wow. it's right in that period of time where they're starting to work CGI in, but they do oh, it yeah, like incredibly, ships? dude. Like it just fits into the world so seamlessly, like almost always when you have an animated movie like that and you add in CGI, the CGI looks super out of place, you know, every time. It kind of happens yeah. in Avatar a few times and it looks pretty out of place in a couple a, a couple times. It's usually pretty cool, but it also looks out of place. But it's just seamless in Atlantis and that was 2001. Yeah, you'd think that it wouldn't be as good because it was coming out when other things were coming out doing it not as well, but they just it's like the director of that movie must have known like, okay, if we're going to have to Mm, underwater because the underwater scenes in cgi would still look cool because it's under you know or right. something like that like he just knew great voice acting in that movie too oh, holy yeah. cow michael j fox i didn't realize this is milo yeah dude that's he's got great performance yeah and great cast of characters like fairly diverse you know oh yeah could always do it's better it's been but... years since i watched it and i am remembering vividly uh yeah the sweets the dude who like yeah you know, the doctor uh-huh i'm remembering the mole guy yep. with like his like like can zoom in on the fingernail the bomb guy boom the, the engineer uh yes the engineer woman, oh wow or, oh, yeah she's like a teenager oh my she's gosh. teenager she's like 16 which is crazy well uh this is a new lens where gary and i calvin uh here talk about film and television that we liked as children or younger than us currently <laughs> and we revisit through the new lens of amateur filmmakers um and we're doing avatar the last airbender episode by episode and we are on to just such a good one we we've got uh this week we've got the 10th episode of avatar which is jet in which ang and the gang are traveling on foot uh due to sokka's sokka's instincts yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, by suggestion of Sokka's instincts. Um, and they stumble into a Fire Nation camp, and they're actually pretty much saved by a band of freedom fighters, quote-unquote, uh, who is led by this figure, Jet, who is extremely charming, and he kind of woos the group, specifically Katara, and they go back to their hideout in the trees. And gradually, uh, Sokka investigates further and further and finds that their intentions are not so pure and begins to question them and we start to see jet's uh the the underside of jet's personality which is much darker and the gang works to confront him uh on his plan this is such a memorable episode especially because of this very distinct character of jet who i looked up uh He's played by an actor by the name of Crawford Wilson, who has a very distinct voice. I just, I, I love the way that character and his voice fit into this episode. It's excellent. He, he reminds me, and all the Freedom Fighters remind me of the Lost Boys in Hook. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He's like Rufio, you know? Yeah. And I wrote that down a few times because there are quite a few moments throughout this episode that I went, all right, this is Peter Pan. <laughs> you know, like they've got like their got their band of like orphans in the trees. Mm -hmm. They're sitting around having dinner, telling stories, and each one of them like stands up proudly as they go over the things they do. Yeah, the fact that there's bomb jelly and yeah. jelly candy. <laughs> right. I don't know. Like that just felt yeah. like such a 
oh, Peter Pan you. thing. Like, there's a box of jelly candy. There's a box of bomb jelly. Better not mix those up. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it just totally it, it cracked me up. I loved it. I know I've commented in the past couple episodes about the opening artwork in every time, but I'm always struck Dude, by I it wrote, yes, every single time. The red. One thing that I love about this episode is, in my memory, aside from the distinct character of Jet, one of the things that really sticks out to me about this episode is the color palette. It's a very distinctly red and warm colored episode. And I just think that's so cool that they pay attention not only to the visual aesthetic and color palette of each individual episode but episodes in a season as a whole you know i think about also uh sam has been watching way ahead of me in avatar and he watched classic this. you can't just I you know, can't it, hold it, back it's really hard for, for me to <laughs> it's so hard he for was, me too he was at the end of season one where it's got extremely blue color palette and then there's some other moments where right. color is used very very distinctly but we'll get to that but i just want to point it out because I didn't watch with him, but I peeked in the living room as he was watching that. And watching this episode just struck me even more just how distinct the difference mid-season. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I wonder if that's a decision, like, thematically as well as visually. Like, because, you know, the whole episode is about this gang of freedom fighters who are against the Fire Nation. And they'll do anything to defeat them. And, like, the whole thing is kind of lit like everything is on fire yeah you know like the forest and that's even referenced later when they talk about the fire nation's gonna burn down this forest katara and the whole forest looks kind of like it's on fire i don't know if there's something to pull out of that but it does feel like something you know so the first thing i actually wrote down about the episode was that cage that grabs momo yeah is really really cool design i mean I feel like when you're making a show like this, if you're like, okay, and then Momo's going to get captured by a Fire Nation cage, it's not just as simple as, all right, we're going to draw, like, a cage. They think about, all right, what? how does the cage work? You know, we see berries, we see leaves over it. You can see the cage, it's just like a flat mm-hmm. thing, and then when he stands on it, it turns into a ball around him, yeah. and it's just so unique and interesting, and I just applaud uh, whoever designs the fire nation's gadgets because it's a mix of really really advanced technology but rustic and like made out of just iron yeah you know what i mean and it's so interesting that the fire nation is the only one who's able to you know create that stuff because they have forging because they're firebenders (laughs) and it's also interesting how it kind of takes them away from the uh the purity of bending, too, if you think about it. Like, a lot of other nations seem to use bending and just the natural land that, like, for instance, the Water Nation builds their shit out of snow. The mm-hmm. Earth Nation has a lot of things built out of rock and yeah, clay. Walls and into it feels like the Fire Nation are just like, you know what? We've figured out a way to make technology work for us. Yeah. And it, it makes them a little bit less in tune with... Although maybe that's, that's the Fire way, like yeah. being... Less in tune with the bending and more in tune with what the bending can do for you. It's like about power, you know? Yeah. Kind of interesting to think about. Definitely. That cage also is a perfect segue directly into one of the main plot points of this episode, which is Sokka. And Sokka's instincts and talents as a leader. And 
firstly, I mean, he notices the metal work and he says, this is Fire Nation metal. Like, he recognizes that. He knows enough to recognize this isn't any sort of tool from the Earth Kingdom. Definitely Fire Nation. And he has the instincts that, you know, they're definitely in the area. We've been caught. Appa is extremely noticeable. We should try walking on foot. And as much as they and he's totally right. make fun of him, he's totally right. That's a perfect instinct. I love the distinction when Katara is like, what are you, our boss? And he said, no, I'm just trying to be the leader of the group. And that is what he is, 100%. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Katara's like, I think Aang's the leader. He's the avatar. And he's like, yeah, he's the avatar, but he's just a like goofy fucking kid. And they pan over and he's hanging upside down from the horn. Yeah, he's just like, he's right. <laughs> uh, Yeah, like whenever they do anything, like they have like a plan for Katara in the Imprisoned episode or mm -hmm. even before Aang when Katara is going after Aang. Once Sokka goes, all right, let me help. Now it's a thing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a thing until then. Before then, it's like, uh, it's a plan. Yeah. But as soon as Sokka's on board, it suddenly becomes like real. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that his instincts in this episode, I think it's interesting that they're like paying attention to that because it is something that it's important for the group. We've got Katara, who's emotionally charged a lot and like very, very sympathetic to others and cares a lot. Mm hmm. And Sokka is just that rationality side of the same thing. He cares, which yeah. is brought up in the episode pretty quickly into it. But he needs the to be rational because sometimes you might care about the wrong person, which is exactly what's happening with yeah. Jet. She sympathizes with him because of what he's been through. She cares about him because he's a smooth talker. Aang, too. Aang's yeah. washed into it all, oh, too. Absolutely. Avatar. Very nice. Thanks. <laughs> I love that <laughs> That's line. That's a great moment. <laughs> I, I don't want to get too much into it because I, I I like not thinking about it too much. But also watching this show in the period of time that we are brings about, you know, makes you think about certain things strike you differently. And I don't know, just the line when he when they're all walking and it's right before they walk into the Fire Nation camp. And they're complaining about how they're so tired from walking around like this sucks so much more than flying. And Sokka says, yeah, guys, I'm tired, too. But this is the smart thing to be doing, which sucks that he's immediately yeah. undercut. But it's like, we're all, <laughs> this is not, it's, it, this is, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. We're not saying this we're is the ideal solution. Is is, we're saying it's a solution. It's what we should be doing rationally. Yeah. But then he is totally undercut, which really fucking sucks <laughs> that they walk. This whole the episode is, is like that too, where it's like, oh, this is kind of. Is this relevant right now? I don't know. I'm just going to keep watching the episode. That happened to me like three or four times. Yeah. Uh, Jet having little one-liners like Sonic the Hedgehog always. The first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this dude's awesome. <laughs> but, you know, after you've seen this episode and know Jet, him being like, got to be quicker next time. It's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, shut up, Jet. It, he is so cool. I'm No. Okay. He is. The swords are so cool. <laughs> the swords really are. Yeah. Right. And yeah. he uses them really well. But that battle's also, I, I recognized, I think this is the first time we're seeing Katara's water pouch. She has used yeah. water in a stream and like into a, a container and dropped it before. I think that was in Imprisoned. But um, yep. she has a pouch of water to be able to use specifically for bending in combat, which is so fucking cool. 
yeah, that when she puts out uh, Sokka's arm, that's like, oh, okay, she is just a waterbender now. Right. Her instinct wasn't to try to pat it down. Her instinct was to waterbend that fire out. Do you think that that came kind of out of nowhere for her? She all of a sudden was like, oh, my God, I've got water in my water pouch. Like, you know, because, like, is it her drinking pouch usually? And now it's become her bending pouch? I think you're right. I mean, but also she's got it, like, strapped right to her back. And actually, I noticed they yeah. dropped their stuff immediately, which is another sort of, like, interesting, like, you know, struck me in a certain way. is like, priorities. Like, they've got their stuff in their hands, and as soon as they see the firebenders, all three of them drop their shit and get ready to run. Wow, yeah. Which is interesting. I love Momo in this episode. Yeah. So, Aang gets some fire, uh, they're like those little popper things you used to get as a kid during 4th of July and throw them at your yeah. friend's feet and mm-hmm. piss them off. Mm-hmm. And Aang is a total dick and throws one at Momo. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I get it. You're a vegan. You save any animal you come across. But like, yeah. come on. He doesn't. Know. So he does that. But then Momo Fights is back. awesome. He jumps on his head, grabs all of them, and then starts throwing them at Aang's feet. And Aang's like, oh, stop it. I'm just like, yeah, that's what you get, you bastard. So awesome. Yeah, no, totally. I also noticed uh, quite a few people in this village. It's not just his Freedom Fighters and Jet. It's Freedom Fighters, Jet, and like 15 other kids. Yeah. There's a lot. Even the kids you don't see, you see huts. And you can imagine why would they build a treehouse if there wasn't someone going in it. So right. I think there are like upwards of 20 kids in this forest Absolutely. just fucking around. And it's pretty cool. In varying like, ages They're too. creating like a... Have you seen Mad Max uh, Beyond Thunderdome? No, I've only seen Fury Road. Dude. Okay. <laughs> all Mad Max movies are great. I will first say that. Type. So it is worth watching them all. Okay. Beyond Thunderdome is like kind of the most out of left field two-thirds into the movie all of a sudden ah, spoilers kind of max encounters a village of kids basically Mm. and it's what i would imagine these kids would end up being in like 10 or 15 years Mm. okay it's kind of cool like so that moment it's yes it's peter pan for me but it's also mad max beyond thunderdome i think there's a lot of illusions being made and actually as they make their way up to the to, to their hideout another trivia fact that i uh wanted to share dave filoni f-i-l-o-n-i dave filoni directed this episode and he's also like director of art for this episode and he designed the hideout and he said he's a huge star wars fan and he directly says that it's like a tribute to like the ewok society wow and like the gathering like when when jet makes his speech and everything um it's so much yes before they get up there, though, we're uh, don't want to skip a very important moment of uh, Jet lifting Katara up into the <laughs> the hideout. Oh, and then the, the color palette turns into this like yeah harp music or whatever, and like yeah, she thinks I he's love hot. How the ways <laughs> the way Sokka goes up, Jet's like here, grab this. Sokka's just like what? <laughs> and and he smacks into like yeah. the like uh, leaves the yeah it just gets stuck for a second then yeah pulled through (laughs) yeah um so jet's point of view in this episode is actually i think one of the things that makes this episode great to me is his point of view is very very common 
just in the world. Yeah. Like him believing that uh, these people are so bad mm-hmm. that he's an old man. He's still one of them. He's, yeah. He deserves whatever he's got coming for him. Oh, there are innocent people in this village too? Doesn't matter. These people are so bad. He believes that this is the... The good he is doing by getting rid of the bad people is more important than anything is else. Is worth that collateral. It's yeah. all about how these orphans are dealing with trauma, which I think is really, and, really yes. interesting. As a kid, totally went over my head. I totally mm-hmm. thought of this as like... And I, I admittedly just thought Jet was a bad dude. I was like, well, that's not... you. You don't hurt old people. Obviously, he's a bad guy. Or you don't just do that. But, like, now that I'm an adult and I know people who think like he thinks, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It makes me more like, holy crap, that's kind of a complex character. That's not as simple as he's bad, you know? They have been deeply affected, but it's super interesting. And his fighters. His fight, all of them. He talks about how all of them have lost people. He's uh, uh, the Duke, the little one. They said they got the impression that he never even had a home because yeah. of what the Fire Nation did in, in their area. So all of them are deeply affected, which also uh, justifies why they're all going along with Jet's plan. Because he is a charismatic exactly. person who's driven and he has he's he has the confidence to lead people, but not the, the correct. He doesn't instinct. even realize it, too. Yeah. That he's like manipulating people with because of all of their shared trauma. Mm-hmm. I think he genuinely thinks like this is the right thing to do. Oh, absolutely. He just because he thinks that mm-hmm. that's why it works. People that are following him are like, okay, well, he's a good person. So if he was like, what's his name? I think the Duke says, mm-hmm. uh, or no, uh, Pipsqueak, Pipsqueak says, I love that. all I know is that. We've been following Jet for a long time and doing whatever he says, and it always goes right. Mm. So this is right. Yep. It's that simple to him. Mm-hmm. Even though he just he just heard Jet out loud basically say, we're going to be killing innocent people. Yeah. His In his head, he's thinking that's justified because it always has been justified. But they do, like, in that moment, we'll get to it. But first, we, first we've got the, the old man, and I just wanted to point yeah. out Sokka putting his sword in the tree and listening through like he has real tangible skills and they continue to show that he is a valuable member of this team who knows things and he's not just following his instincts Sokka's instincts it's like no he knows shit (laughs) you know yeah he's a very talented I mean he had to he was the only one in the water tribe who still knew like he was probably the one providing with like the hunting and I mean, he was the only one that was kind of in charge of protecting and defending their village, too. Yeah. Uh, I love his uh, whale jaw sword. Oh, <clears throat> so cool. I think it's whale, but it's just so cool how it still has the teeth on it. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Um, That old man, tell me you don't think this. He is. It's so crazy when you think about this. Mm. Okay. He is... The the tethered version, if you're thinking the movie Us, uh-huh. of the old man in the imprisoned episode. I totally was thinking the same thing. Yep. I just, it dawned on me while I was watching out. They even look similar. Yeah. They have like a similar old man look. We've got an Earth Nation man who, tra- he's a traitor basically. Yeah. He tells the Fire Nation about Haru. Mm-hmm. And now we've got this Fire Nation old man who 
by the end will do the opposite of that. Yeah. Right. He'll vouch for Sokka. He'll, mm-hmm. you know. To save innocent people. That is so beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. The show is willing to show us, no, it's not just, like, Jet thinks that. He thinks, okay, like, the Fire Nation to Jet is the equivalent of just every single Fire Nation member knows what they're doing. They're in it for a reason, and they're a soldier. Mm-hmm. They're in this war. It's possible that that old man used to be a Fire Nation soldier. It's possible, it's possible in his bag. I think it's even possible that in his bag was something, you know? Did they The knife that Did he, they actually confirm The knife is never confirmed or denied, but Sokka is very I very think that's adamant very, that he did I think not that's see important. Anything. That is important. It's not confirmed or denied, but even if he had it, it's it's not I agree. I don't think it was their it. right. Because of what Jet says. Have mercy. Did the Fire Nation have mercy when they killed our families? It's like, that's not how this works. That's not just because someone else is acting without mercy does not mean you are exempt. Exactly. It's, I mean, people criticize it, but it's similar to the, I mean, an eye for an eye would make the whole world blind. Is that right. Gandhi quote? Mm-hmm. And I that quote has been criticized for being like, well, yeah, but if you just don't do anything when someone's bad, it's obviously going to just, this is that, this is when that is mm-hmm. applicable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He could have, maybe he could have done something. Maybe he could have like ambushed him and tried to get some information, whatever. But he was like violent towards an old man mm-hmm. because of rage. He felt from the past. Yeah. I don't know. And the line, I think he says that really tips Sokka off to, this is not a good person. Is when he says, remember why you fight. And that that's that's saying, I am fighting for revenge. That is 100% everything that I am fighting for. What are you fighting for? And Sokka goes, uh, not that. To, like, help innocent people and, like, make the world better and try and help the Avatar to save the world? Like, fuck this dude. And they exactly. just, oh, they just don't listen to him. And it's so frustrating. It, it's Katara... And I don't like that this is necessarily the role that she plays in this episode uh, because of, you know, stereotypical courses. But it also makes her very human that she is following her emotions more than she is her logic. She has emotions. She has strong emotions for this for this dude. And she's being she is letting them uh, overshadow her logic. And she says, you know, my instincts say to help Jet. And that's because you think he's hot. And let's be real here. You live in a water, the water tribe. You are one of maybe four people your age. The other three, or no, I think she's one of two. The other one is your brother. You're like 14 years old, traveling the world, and the only other boy you know is 12 and has a crush on you. Yeah. You encounter a badass 16-year-old dude with swords that just took down an army. Yeah. And the army is affiliated with the people that stole, like, everything you love. He I shares mean, trauma like, with you, which can be a very easy, like, linking of people, you know? I think it's unfortunate that, yes, it's a cliche to have, like, the one great female character on this show kind of turn into uh, an easily manipulated emotional character in this episode, which is a cliche for women. But it's at least not irrational. 
and it's, it's rational, not all you know? her character. That's not all she ever no, does. No. It's in this episode and humans in general. Have that happen. We get overtaken by emotion. Yeah. And it's good for us to, like, acknowledge that, yeah, like, that's not necessarily mm -hmm. uh, helpful for the narrative of women in film and in TV. But at least it's not as bad as most of it is. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I I hate doing that. I hate being the guy that's like, well, at least it's not as bad as, you know, whatever. But it's still, I I find justification in it where... You know, maybe as a kid, I would have watched this and been like, well, stupid girl is just emotional. But like now I'm like, I'm pretty sure I would have been in love with Jet, you know? I mean, come on. I, I kind of want to fuck that dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you oh, also chew on my hay uh, blade. <laughs> this little freaking blade of grass. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about some things that happened towards the end of this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh. We've gotten through the old man. We've gotten through. Um, now we know Jet's a bad dude. Yep. So Jet has Aang and Katara pulling water out of, which is just dope. It's the first time Katara can bend not seeing the water, which is another thing. Kind of like in the last episode, I went on a little tangent talking about the physics of bending. Mm. That's never important in the show, but it is uh, always consistent. Sure. And now we have another new added you can bend without seeing the thing you're bending. Mm -hmm. That's important, and yeah. it, it's consistent. It uh -huh. will stay consistent. So Jet does his shit. He's bad. Katara finds out. Aang finds out. And it leads to a really, really cool sequence, starting with Aang and Jet yeah. running through trees. Mm -hmm. I always loved this sequence because I could see someone being a little bit like, okay, come on, he's the Avatar. He should be able to outrun him. But that's the point. Yep. Jet has been living in these woods for so long, and he's so good at what he does that he's keeping up with the Avatar. Yeah. I love that. He is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Uh, this whole sequence, another trivia fact, was influenced by certain sequences in the show Naruto, which actually also, Ooh, fun fact. Absolutely uh, get that. Naruto is I love Naruto. voiced by Miley Flanagan, who is a good friend of both of my parents, which is dope as fuck. Um, but a lot of that show takes place in a forest like this. And this whole sequence is so incredible. And my favorite moment of it is when we get the brief wide shot of just the treetops and then Aang and then Jet. It really is sick. Absolutely. Speaking of treetops earlier in the episode, something I forgot to mention that I loved. Appa sleeps on the treetops. Did you notice that? I did. There's like a moment of Appa snoring, and it's in that same type of a wide shot. Mm -hmm. So that means he's like, I bet he, I bet Appa's light as hell. Because he can fly, right? He's a flying bison. I bet he has like hollow bones or something. Yeah. Something that allows him to just sleep in the treetops. Because the trees weren't like matted down and bending. He was just doing it. Or maybe he can like fly sleep, you know? And he's like Ooh, floating a little bit. Interesting. I don't know. I didn't think about but that. But either like... way, I think that's like the coolest thing I've ever seen is just a giant flying bison just resting on the lightly on the treetops. It's really dope. Uh, they finally get back to where uh, Katara was waiting. And one of my, one of the, okay. <laughs> I keep saying like one of the coolest things ever, but it's just, it's just so well progressed. The coolest thing she can do so far, I think. Yeah. Is splashing yeah. the water on him, making him damp 
and then backing him up with that and then freezing the water in his clothes so that he is stuck to the tree. That is incredible. Using like ice breath. Oh, and I love that she's furious and utilizing her emotion forward to trap him and it's not affecting her bending it's empowering it yeah as opposed she's, to last she's episode. getting better at that mm-hmm. at that control mm-hmm. uh I, I wrote down that i like to think she uh learned that one from the water bending scroll yeah like ice nice. breath you totally. know because i that's the kind of thing i could see her just having to read once and being like oh of course i can do that right i can manipulate because yeah. up till this point that wasn't has she manipulated the state of water yet? She has at the it, in the first episode, but she can only do it that's behind right. her and then she turns around and does it against the guards, which is yep, cool, that's but right. it, she had no control. So now over she's it. doing it knowingly. Yes. Yeah, she's yeah. totally uh so jet whistling while frozen oh. is maybe my most fuck you animation in this whole show. Just yeah. Just the way his little, his lips like move forward and you can just see him with this like look on his face like, yeah, I'm still going to fucking do it. I just, every time he does that whistle, I wish I could just like punch him in the face. Yeah. (laughs) He fucked up Aang's glider enough that he can't use it, which is wildly frustrating, Um, but also makes sense. Like I like that the writers thought of that to be able to, you know, make his powers inept in that way. And then this incredible dramatic moment. There's been and then during the fight scene and then this dramatic music while he's doing that. There's shots of back and forth of uh, the bridge and everything. And Katara just uh, silence. And then Katara just goes, no. And then the dam breaks. Oh, I've got chills right now. Cool little detail as the water floods the town. Did you see oh, the cabbages? <laughs> yes. There was just some cabbages. I never noticed it. And like, this time I was like, wait. It would not so have worked. So that dude was definitely <laughs> yeah. like in a building. Right. And he went, oh, my cabbages. <laughs> you know? It would not have worked if they made that comedic moment like right then. But I'm so glad they put those cabbages there. Just as a little, just a little, my cabbages. <laughs> I just underlined the word cabbages. <laughs> I love the art style, the shifted art style for the flashbacks. It kind of looks like it's yeah. drawn on like old it almost looks yellowed like, paper. Yeah, like the it's like almost the the pre drawings before doing the episode or something mm-hmm. too, you know? Like yeah. it's a little bit rushed or yeah. something, but not in a in in a cool way, in a styled way. In like a uh, it, oh, I wish I had looked up the art style or anything like that, but you know, like in the way that uh, I know what you're trying to eat. The, right the now circle on know? video. Calvin is circling <laughs> with like a paintbrush. Yeah, and right. I know exactly what you're. It's like that Wind Waker Toon Link style explosion <laughs> with like the swirls in it, except yeah. art or like those cool dragons. Yeah, right. Yeah, we have the same art style in our head, and I'm sure our listeners do too. <laughs> well, if you watch the episode, uh, now, I I hope you, I hope you get what we're. I hope you know to. what we're talking about. But I love the old man is. You know, one of the main reasons they trust him because his intentions yeah. were in the right place, and the old man saw that. I love the doll floating in Me the river too. and the little girl getting Mrs. Pretty. The perfect name for a doll. <laughs> the show just gets like a kid would never name its doll Sally. They would name right. it Mrs. Pretty, you know? Yeah. 
Are we ready to talk about the the final moments of the episode? Because I think they're some of my favorite we've had yet. This is one of the best episodes for wrapping up the theme of the episode with one line. Oh, first, I'm sorry. This moment Sokka gets to tell Jet how fucked up he is. And he's saying, I was going to save this valley. And he said, who are you saving it for? Everyone would be dead. Like, you stop being a leader when you stop protecting innocent people. Oh. Oh. Such a good line. God. And he's so right. And he is a good leader. He is already a good leader. Yeah. And he realized that in the moment of the old man thing. He's been thinking about what to say this whole time. And he's like, yes, I finally got it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. And then then they fly away with a sassy yip yip. (laughs) I I didn't even say it with as much sass as he did. But, oh, man, I love that. Yip yip. Uh, So those final moments... I think they're just, it's just a beautiful way to end the episode because, so they're flying away and Sokka basically is like, so yeah, I or I, do they say your instincts were right all along or does he say my instincts were right all along? They say it. Either we way, trusted they instincts. say it and he goes, yeah, that's right. I have like amazing instincts. And then uh, Aang goes, yeah, but you're going the wrong way. <laughs> you and, know you're going the wrong way, right? And Sokka just goes, they're not always right. And turns around and keeps going in the right direction now. Yep. He went from the beginning of the episode being right, mm-hmm. but being kind of a dick about it. Being like, my instincts... I mean, he wasn't a dick about it. He was just like... He was fighting back against to... them not trusting him. Exactly. Which is... I kind of... It's justified, you know? But there is something really nice about the way they end the episode with him admitting, yeah, like, my instincts aren't always right. That's why we're a team. Mm-hmm. But I'm still the one flying Appa. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. He he is now the leader of this team, but it is also more of a team. They mm-hmm. they will trust him mm-hmm. uh like they falsely trusted Jet. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's just such a nice way to Oh man. I love this episode. Any criticisms of this episode, I don't think I quite understand. I think it's the perfect now that we have the story and you know, we still want some more uh character development without plot development. This is the perfect way to do that. Yeah. I literally slapped my notebook down when the credits started rolling for this episode and said out loud, I fucking love this show. <laughs> Just oh, the characters make Rightfully me so, so happy. It's so hard to only watch an episode a week. It really is. Which is why we are now doing two a week. That's right. So if you're listening right now, this is going to be a different day that you're hearing this, this episode. Is, this should have come out on Sunday, whether or not you're listening to it on that day. Uh, we are now doing Sunday and Wednesday episodes uh, at a slightly more manageable time. Um, we couldn't go a whole lot shorter than this because we have so much to say. <laughs> we never, you know, <laughs> yeah. like every episode, even the longer ones we've done, I've felt like I still have more stuff that we could have talked about. But uh... that's what's great. That's what's so great about the show. I hope you guys are talking about it when you hear us and you're like, oh, that's I thought of something. You know what? Let us know. There's a comment section on legendary4.com. If you're, you know, you're on Spotify and you want to make a comment, go to our website, leave a comment. We'll we'll reply back. I mean, it's just such a good show to discuss. I actually didn't tell Calvin. I have a friend that I work with at the Yard House here in uh, Pasadena who had never watched this show before. And right before everything, you know, all this shit hit the fan, for those of you listening in uh 2041 the year is 2020 right now so we're in a quarantine (laughs) but uh my friend it wasn't on netflix yet 
but I actually own all of the DVDs and the Blu-ray box set nice. because, I mean, because, come on. Come on. <laughs> so I gave him the regular DVD set because he doesn't have a Blu-ray player, and he just texted me three days ago with, like, pages of things to say oh. how much he loved the show. He finished the whole show over yeah. this period of time. He's starting it over. He's going to be Zuko for Halloween. Nice. It's like all this stuff. And I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. So, yeah. Convert your friends. And listen to the show and let us know what you think. There's also, uh, we're also on iTunes. You can feel free to give us a, a rating or a review and let us know what, what what you think and what you'd like to see more of. Uh, also, please do check out our other podcast that, the third episode just aired this last Friday, and there should be another one coming out this next Friday. I don't remember the exact date, but uh, but yeah, be on the lookout for that. Legendary Four Space Vampires. Calvin does all the music for it, and I've been listening. They're great. Definitely check them out. Uh, Calvin's yeah, he, he won't he, he won't go too deep into it because it's his own work, but he does some amazing stuff. Building tension, adding emotion to a scene. It's like, you don't think that listening to a bunch of guys playing D&D would be awesome, but Calvin makes it awesome. So give it a shot. It's worth it. A lot of, well, thank you. A lot of credit has to go to Sam as well for coming up with Oh my gosh, his writing is so good. To put us in. I also want to shout out Gary's movie review channel. Uh, you've posted a couple new videos in the past week or two. And one that I thought was really interesting about the state of movies right now and the sort of drama between AMC and Universal Studios uh, in relation to, and also relating it to two uh, video-on-demand videos or movies that you've seen recently. And I, I just thought it was fascinating. So be sure to check that out as well. YouTube's Gary's Review. Um, but yeah, that should about do us for this episode. We still got to do our kid moment of the week. Oh, how Let's wrap I it up with that. Possibly forget? I almost forgot. <laughs> um so, if you don't know, every week we end our episode just acknowledging a moment that, you know, might be geared more towards the younger audiences of the show, but absolutely work for us, too. We call it the kid moment of the week because it is our, you know, favorite kid moment of the show in the week. Um, I guess we have two a week now, so this is kid moment of the half week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, this episode, while very humorous, like all episodes, was a little less kid momenty yeah. if i might say so i think you're um, probably right but i think i have i think i have a moment that i would consider my favorite i've got my favorite think, as soon as it happened i knew i knew what i had what what mine was going to be but hit ooh. me with yours well mine is just momo on ang's shoulders throwing poppers at ang's feet that's a great moment but i'm sure you're about to tell me something cuz you always do <laughs> and i'm going to be like oh it's a moment we didn't even talk about but i i just really love it the just the simple humor of big guy, little guy as they're going through the names. Oh, Spears, yeah, Longshot, <laughs> Smeller B, Pipsqueak, and Duke. And uh, he's he's like, Pipsqueak's kind of a funny name. You think my name is funny? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I guess it is kind of funny. Ah, 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 ah. I just love that so much. Classic setup, and it works so well. He's just a charming, yeah. charming kid. It's just Aang being a charming kid, you know? How does that work? Like, you could just go up to someone and be like, your name is funny. And it's like a compliment. You <laughs> yeah, know? right. I guess so. <laughs> like, only Aang can do that. <laughs> oh, man. I love it so much. I think I can agree that that, I think that takes the cake for me. 
I do really like Momo being a uh, little bastard back at Aang, it's a but that's more moment. because it's revenge. Yeah, <laughs> I just appreciate him getting revenge. But, but I definitely kind of the theme that the episode is trying to. <laughs> the, the yeah, holy cow! <laughs> Get you away from that's kind of funny. Ooh, I also love the moment when Duke and uh, the Duke and Smell or er, Pipsqueak get trapped in different cages, and the yeah. Duke's like, "You gonna eat your lychee berries?" <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, great characters. So let's just uh, how about we say kid moment of the week rather than moment kid characters of the week. Pipsqueak uh, and the Duke. Hell yeah! Why not for this week? Just for this week? Yeah. Just kid for this week. The kid moments Duke. of the week came from two characters multiple times. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been A New Lens. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Calvin. And I'm Gary. Thanks for listening. And I'm Gary. It's been a great time. <laughs> I don't know. That was a... Wait, let me let me just. And I'm Gary. Thanks for listening. It's been a great time. Just sounded a little bit uh, like <laughs> like have a glass of water. We're laying in bed, and I've got a cigarette or something. You know, like. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Good time.